Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the new Mainstream Podcast, where we explore the impact of multicultural consumers on marketing and media. I'm your host, Mario Carrasco, and co-founder of ThinkNow. Excited to introduce our guests today, Dana Rappaport, Chief of DE&I at TechForce Foundation. Welcome, Dana. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes. Um, awesome. Well, before we dive into your background, um, I did a little bit of reading on TechForce Tech Force Foundation and found it really great what y'all are doing. Would love to hear from you and let the listeners know, know a little bit more about, about what y'all do. So we are a national nonprofit <clears throat> based here in the United States. So we cover all 50 states. And what we do is we help young people get into their technical education for careers as technicians in uh, all forms of transportation and heavy equipment. So, for example, if it moves people or things and it needs service and maintenance, you need a technician. And we're here to help fill the workforce full of technicians. That's great. I mean, and, and there's um, interestingly... You know, I feel like the past couple of years, the pandemic has really shown um, how much we need technicians, right? Because going into, I mean, I don't want to say a recession, but they're calling it a white collar recession. I just read that in order to meet the demand for like contractors, we need to hire 500,000 contractors within the next um, 10 years. Like, are you seeing an increase in interest um, people applying to TechSource Foundation or supporting the organization because of the need for more blue-collar type technician jobs, and and actually, and that's a question too. Would you define, you know, this as a blue-collar type of uh, foundation in terms of supporting those types of jobs? Well, um, we try not to look at it uh, with a color. We try to look at it as a colorless. Uh, occupation. So I don't care if you're wearing a white collar, a blue collar, a pink collar, a red collar. But if you have a passion for what you do, uh, and this is part of what you're passionate about, you're the kind of person we want to support. And the way we work is we help to inspire uh, young people. And we do that through a number of avenues, but a lot of marketing and awareness campaigns. And then we provide scholarships and grants. We connect them to the schools and then we connect them to industry in different ways. So I don't really necessarily think that we've ever really looked at it as blue collar or white collar. We've said, this is a really amazing career with lots of really great opportunities. And it's changed a lot. COVID changed a lot of it because now a technician is thought of as a necessity, right? Because they're keeping us all moving. They're, they're allowing us to safely arrive at our work, safely get our kids to school, get groceries to feed our family. They're there behind the scenes and quietly, maybe even anonymously, but without them, you know, cars don't run, planes don't go, trains, buses, all those things suffer. And the, the, um, <clears throat> the other part of it is that uh, technicians and their role has evolved as technology has evolved. So as that, as we continue to come up with alternative fuels and alternative sources of transportation, whether it be EV, whether it be um, alternative fuels, you know, 
whatever the next great thing is, right? The technician job has changed and we've already seen it sort of leave the notion of being a greasy mechanic behind, moving into more of that technician. And then you'll see it shift even more in some places because it moves away from that sort of more physical mechanics role and into sort of more of a technical um, IT engineering mindset since so much of it has become computer driven. And can you tell us a little bit about the types of roles? Like, um, I mean, I, I have to admit, like when even listening to you, like my idea of a technician has expanded so much just in this first five minutes. So can you dive a little bit deeper in the types of the types of roles that, that um, you're helping people move into? Yeah, they run a wide variety, everything from working at a car dealership, you know, being a service technician to going to, you know, work on an airplane, being an aviation maintenance personnel. Um, And then it expands to include collision and repair for all those same uh, pieces of equipment. Uh, Welding is a big part of what we do. And we see a lot of movement now, people going in as technicians and then maybe ending up being service advisors or service writers or managers and leaders in other ways. So they, they may start in that technical side and be very hands-on and literally learn it from the ground up. Uh, but we do see a lot more movement now that the roles are changing. And then we're seeing some new roles coming out because now the more electronics, the more IT, the more computers in it, the more we have what we have a higher need for things like calibration technician. So now when you get your windshield replaced, it's not so basic anymore. (laughs) You know, you can't just pop in a new windshield. You have to recalibrate all the electronics that are, you know, functioning in your windshield. So that requires its own technician to maintain and operate. So new roles are kind of starting to come in and and change the way um, technicians work. So the roles will vary depending on what they're working on. Motorcycles, sports cars, ATVs, RVs, heavy equipment, construction equipment, front end loaders, you know, trains, planes, buses, automobiles, all of it. That's great. And um, I'm curious, like where do you focus on uh, a specific point in someone's career cycle? Like, are they, you know, is this someone that's out of high school, someone that's looking to do a career change, or all of the above, just anybody interested in becoming a technician, regardless of maybe where they are in their career or life stage? Ultimately, we do focus on all of those areas. Anybody who has that passion to pursue it uh, from an education standpoint and then as a career. But a lot of our work does focus on looking at this from saying, how are we going to fill this pipeline? You spoke about it earlier. If you need 500,000 workers in a certain amount of time, we better be front loading and filling in a lot of young people. So we do start as young as we can. So I would say middle school, high school, and that's really about inspiring them. That's really about showing them what's possible and helping to excite something within that then becomes something they can pursue as a career. So a lot of our inspiration work and a lot of our leading them to it and showing them what's possible does start younger. Um, at any point in the lifespan of a technician, should they need access to education, we're here for to help them and to, to 
to provide avenues to get them into that. And then we have our tech force network, which anybody can join. And the tech force network is a means of connecting and understanding and, and getting access to all the things that are going on behind the scenes. So there's training, there's events. We, it's all gamified. You can, uh, win points, turn them in for prizes. You can get tickets to events. Uh, you can really take part and become part of this technician effort. That's great. And I think this is a good segue to talk specifically about your role, right? I'm sure you're seeing, um, you know, tapping into younger people, just America is becoming more diverse. And so, you know, what, tell us a little bit about what Chief of, of, of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion means at, at TechForce Foundation? So for TechForce, it means how can we inspire a more diverse workforce? But I don't want to just belay the word. You know, everyone talks about diversity. So yes, we're after all of those traditional diverse groups that uh, could fulfill this work in this role. But we're really about understanding and bringing voice to those diverse groups. So we started with women, and you may think, is that really a diverse group? But when you look at the technician workforce, less than 3% of employed technicians are women. So that means that there's a huge opportunity. And in order to uh, excite more women, we chose to go talk to as many of that employed 3% as we could, record their stories, and then share their stories with young ladies to help inspire them. If those young ladies could see themselves in one of those stories and be inspired to pursue it, then we've done a, a, a really great job. And you can see all of that. It's a program we call Women Techs Rock, and it's at techforce.org slash WTR. You can see all the videos we've created for Women Techs Rock. And so, I mean, 3%, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty uh, startling statistic. I mean, what... What are some barriers that you see for women entering technician-type jobs that, that y'all have identified? Right. So this is going to start as young as um, you know, middle school and, and high school. When they're being influenced by the adults, the, the teachers, the parents, the grandparents, friends, family, that kind of thing, we need to encourage them in a truthful way. Yes, they can grow up to be anything they want, but that really does mean anything. So we don't want to say you can be anything, but you can't be that grease monkey or you shouldn't be this or you shouldn't be that because that's a man's job. There is no gender in the role. The role itself is genderless. So let's not you know, imply that it continues that way. The other part of this is that women need to feel welcome. And there are plenty of women who will tell you stories that they go to work in these shops and there's no women's changing room or locker room. There is no women's um, restroom in the service area that's meant for them. So we need to feel, they need to feel like they're welcome. They don't necessarily want to be called out because they're a woman. They want to be, be called out because they're doing a great job as a tech. So how can we as um, hiring managers and employers work better to make all diverse groups, but in this case, women feel more welcome is really what we need to start looking at. More women are becoming less concerned with those barriers and there are other barriers. More women are just saying, I, I don't see that as a barrier. I'll use that to my advantage in some way. And they continue to rise to great 
great lengths in their great heights in their career. So there's some small shifting going on and we're seeing more women say, I can do this and actually doing it. But we need a lot more young ladies to fill that front end of this pipeline to get into placing them into those great jobs. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I love the um, focus at highlighting stories. I mean, I think that's so important. Um, you know, being in the market research industry, we do something similar, highlighting diverse researchers. And I think to your point, people being able to see themselves in in, in these type of roles is just going to inspire people to, to go into these roles that maybe they didn't traditionally see them on. Um, what, like... Is there, do you provide any tools, I guess, for the other side of the equation for the, the organization hiring women or hiring diverse people to help the organizations feel more welcome? Or are you more just focused on the technicians and that education aspect of things? The majority of our work is more focused on the technician, but we know that in order to fill the workforce of good techs, we need to help in all the peripheral things that feed into that. So we have some research and white papers. We have toolkits, or I should say um, guidebooks available to help. And anytime an employer reaches out to us, we're happy to help them by guiding them to uh, whatever resources we can to make sure that they are ready to hire that diverse group. We provide as much um avenues as possible to give a voice to the technician. So it's the technician uh, that's also being heard by the employer as well. And that's a big part of the important part of, of, you know, breaking down barriers and tearing down the challenges that might be in the way. Definitely. So, so walk us through what is, what is a day in a, you know, chief DNI officer at tech force foundation look like, like, what are you, what are you working on for 2023? So for 2023, I'm hard at work trying to create more um, vocal awareness efforts on the fact that women are less than 3% of this. So women continues to be a big theme for us. And I continue to search for those less than 3%, those women, and capture their stories. So on any given day, I might be capturing two, three, four, five stories, which is quite an effort and recording them and, and, and getting them out in our various channels. I'm always working with our partners and our um, nonprofit alliance group members as well to say, okay, how can we keep working together to increase the volume out there? Um, not just the volume of people entering the workforce, but the volume of noise of discussion that this is a really incredible career with a lot of opportunity and different avenues and channels to pursue. So we're always working towards those different things. And then I would say a big part of what happens in diversity, equity, and inclusion is really trying to stay current and understand what, what's going on out there. So when you see or hear of something that's going on out there, you know, assessing if it's a place for us to comment, to participate in some way, or to raise the bar of awareness for this profession, we're uh, always excited to do that. And of course, things like doing this podcast and doing other interviews and spreading the word, it's critical to the work we do at TechForce. What, and, and um, yeah, that, I, I think that's a recurring theme of, of DNI professionals and multicultural marketers that I get that 
constantly looking for information because things are changing so much, right, in our space. What what are some of the go-to places for you to keep current in terms of what's going on, whether DEI or or your industry, and just just to share for our listeners. So I look at all the the traditional transportation publications that are available and kind of stay current on that. But I really find that by talking to a lot of our partners, they're sharing with me what's happening from their own perspective at DEI inside their businesses. So that's a, a viewpoint that I don't always get access to because I'm very concentrated on talking to the technician themselves and bringing those two voices together and saying, okay, wait, I see a gap between the, what the two of you are saying. Let's try and work that out. And, and what does that look like? A lot of effort happens really behind the scenes and things that you don't as public see that we as a nonprofit are getting involved with. We are constantly having a dialogue with industry people. We are very open to having industry people share their thoughts and help to guide us. I have active working um, councils that help guide us on our different functions and all the different things we do. And they all provide at some point some really pertinent information and feedback. Ultimately, I try and wrap that up and I try and produce a a white paper or paper that really tells the story from a perspective that's really going to have impact in the industry. So really, it's a matter of just getting out there and talking to people in the industry. I love that. And I love that you're talking to the stakeholders. Um, Obviously, you're talking to the people that you're trying to get into the pipeline and, and, and putting all that information together in an easily digestible way. So I think, I think that's really great advice. Um, I, just I, curious, I mean, how, how long have you been doing this DE and I work there within, within tech force and, and how did it come about? So this is not my, um, this was not my, my original intention, But this has proven to be one of the most uh, satisfying and passionate roles I've ever had the opportunity to participate in. And TechForce has been the kind of organization where I think that my own passions for moving this issue forward really come into play. This came to me as a career um, only after I retired from a 30-plus year career in something else. I'd always been very passionate about cars, collector cars. Um, I grew up in a collector car family. And so I knew a lot about that world. And I was looking for a way to take that passion and really apply it in a more meaningful way. So my career background was as a, a management consultant and a marketing leader. And it helped me to um, address the things that were needed at uh, tech force in terms of helping the workforce and, 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 you know, bringing that inspiration and that awareness to the workforce. So I came at this in the long route. I wish I had come at this many, many years ago, but I am thrilled to be doing this work now. I love that. I love your, your combining your passion for, for cars and your, you know, passion for DNI. Um, that's great. That's, um, I, I think there's a lot of listeners that listen in, um, that also have a similar passion as you that want to start something at their organization, but just don't know how I, you know, a lot of the time it sounds like in the conversations I have that it's, it's too big of a task. They don't know where to start. What's some advice that you would give people that are passionate about DNI 
that want to start something at, at their organization from a DNI perspective? So first, look for things that inspire you within the DEI. So uh, go to everything from your competitors to your partners to companies you're just researching, and and read about what they're doing. Try and understand where they're at and take notes. Come up with a list of things that inspire you and that you feel fit the culture and values of your organization. If your organization isn't ready to um, take on that kind of role, then you need to become an educator inside your organization to prepare them for what it means to take on that kind of effort. DE&I is not a, a small thing you do on the side, but it should be blended into the overall cultures and values. So how will your organization approach that? So look for those things that inspire you. And then the second thing I would say is that when you take on something like DEI in an organization, you are going to get into some potentially touchy subjects and language, and you need to make some decisions as to how you will treat those uh, potential moments. Um, and I suggest taking them very seriously because the person that may raise the flag internally may take that very seriously. So you know, have an open dialogue. And be ready and willing to listen. Listen to your employees. Listen to your market. Listen to your customers. Um, in our case, we have had a lot of service techs working in different shops, whether it be on, in, on diesel trucks or cars or planes, say that some customers do not want a woman working on their, on their uh, vehicle or, or equipment. And that's something we need to, to talk about as well. Let's not leave out that whole universe that feeds your organization. I love that. I mean, I, it sounds like you're a leader that that really listens and and listens to all sides of the equation, right? Employees, internal people that you're looking to attract into the pipeline, and then stakeholders. So, this is some great information, and thank you so much for joining us. If if people want to stay, you know, abreast of what's going on at Tech Force Foundation, what's the best way to find Tech Force and and connect with you online? Yeah, so www.techforce.org is our website. I encourage you to um, go on it, join the Tech Force Network, read about everything that's going on. If you ever want to discuss anything about DEI, I strongly suggest sending an email to info at techforce.org. Mention my name and that you'd like to reach out, and we will be connected. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. All your insights, Dana. Pleasure having you. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks for having me. Thanks to everyone listening in. To get more multicultural insights, check us out at thinknow.com and follow us on social media. You can also subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform. Final thank you to our producer, Lucas Martinez, who created our intro music and makes our podcast sound great. T-mail him reach out to martinez.lucas.a at gmail.com.